Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hello folks, welcome to another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. I am Simon Hazeldean and with me in the Sales Chat Show studio is Mr. Phil Jessen and Mr. Graham Jones. And this episode is looking at the latest buyer perceptions of salespeople, so some data, some insight into how we as sales professionals are regarded and um, how buyers think about whether we're doing a good or bad job. So on the monitor in front of us here in the studio, some quite bad news, folks, that only 37% in a piece of research, 37% of buyers strongly agreed that the salespeople they were interacting with provided them with unique industry insight. Not so good. And also, piece of research from CEB. What percentage of salespeople believe they are successfully differentiating their company products and services against the competition? A marvellous 75% of salespeople thought they were doing that well to a good standard. When the customers were asked the same question, what percentage of salespeople are successfully differentiating themselves against against their competition, customers have a slightly different opinion. They thought that only 3% of salespeople were doing that. If you put those two together, that's that's the bad news, folks. That's not good. But what's the good news? Well, the good news, folks, for those listening in, is it doesn't look like the bar is set particularly high out there. You know, the average performance is pretty bad. As I'm fond of saying when I speak to salespeople, average sucks. So there's no no two ways. It's not a not a good place to be. So this is a fantastic opportunity for us to do a better job than our competition. So, Mr. Jessen, what do you think our listeners should be doing to outgun the competition to do a better job? Well, if I was a sales director, um, one of the things that I would be doing with my sales team is to change their job description mm-hmm. built around this particular issue. Uh, and I would include in the job description right up front that the job of the sales executive or account manager uh, is to become an expert in the customer's world. Not just familiar with it, but to become an expert in the customer's yeah. world. I think that would encourage the salesperson to then become curious about the customer's sector and stuff that's going on around the customer's uh, boardroom table, you might say, uh, and to really dig deep into uh, that sort of area. Um, I think the way that the uh, uh, the future is going, you, you, you could argue here that the, the role of the salesperson is to have solutions to problems the customer doesn't yet know they have. Yes. That's really the challenge. Uh, and also I think if I was a sales director, um, I'd be moving away from having uh, product specialists in my team and looking at industry sector specialists. Mm-hmm. 
regardless of whether they're targeted vertically into various yeah. market sectors. But if I had eight or nine members of the team, uh, maybe there's an argument there that says, okay, well, you're the expert on this sector, you're the expert on that sector, and your job is to bring to the team industry insights and expertise that we can all use when we come across. So if, if you're selling sector. into one industry sector as a predominant, you know, as a, as a company, then obviously you need to really understand you really the do. industry. Sure. If you've got multiple industry verticals, yep. sort of like a, a, an industry champion or something, yes. something like that. For, exactly. For, yeah. So, okay. you know, if, if, if I was a sales executive, I might turn to you, Simon, as, as a colleague and say, well, you know, Simon's clearly very familiar with the IT world, so I just need to make sure that when I come across the IT sector, mm. uh, I make sure that I'm talking to Simon casually, informally, and really pumping him for insights that I ought to be aware of when I go and make that call tomorrow. And a practical thing, I think, if I'm doing sort of key account management workshops, etc., with clients, is get them to look at a customer, do a good old pestle analysis. What's political, economic, social, technological, legal, environmental factors that are affecting? That's the world within which that customer has to operate. That's the stuff that's going on in their industry. And then, you know, from that, how are the how are those customers? tuning their strategy to respond to those opportunities. That yeah, and, and I think the other thing I would add at this stage is, is that you know differentiation is a lovely chunk of marketing jargon, but on the streets what it actually means is that as a sales executive you've really got to be able to say about your company that you're either the first company to mm-hmm. dot 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 or we're the only company that dot 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 or, well, there's many of us, but we're the best because, dot, yeah. dot, dot. So if, as a sales director, you can't use one of or more of those three, then you're probably miles off the mark on this yeah. point. So first two, only, or best because, that's really where the differentiation area lies. And if you're scratching your head and you can't think of the answers to those, a great way to do that is to go and interview your long-standing customers who are loyal and love you to bits. They will tell you what your differentiating factors are, and they can sometimes be a bit surprising. They're sometimes not not what you not it what you reminds me of a study done I don't know about five maybe ten years ago of uh, the top one hundred brands in the world, and uh, they were asking the the brand teams, you know, why do people buy your product? So you know, you were the brand manager of a particular product and your team had to fill in a survey questionnaire and work out what were the reasons people bought your product. What they didn't know was that the researchers were also asking top customers why they bought the product. Same questions, you know, what are the top five reasons you buy that product, whatever. And there was a complete and total mismatch between and these are you know these are the top one hundred brands in the world. These are people who are really good at what they do but they completely misunderstood why people were buying their products. What were the reasons for buying those products? They got it completely wrong, which means they've not really um, got enough information or looked at the background. And I think one of the interesting things about the study you mentioned earlier is that when you look at the things that were quite good in the study, nothing was brilliantly good in this study. And it's worthwhile pointing out the study was amongst over 300 companies, most of whom were employing more than a thousand people so we're talking about substantial businesses here mm. um, and that so but the good things were things like 
Was the salesperson credible? Was the has the company got a good reputation? Is the salesperson responsible, responsive to my questions? In other words, the good things are all skills. Yeah. yeah, you can teach your person to dress properly and behave credibly and how to answer questions, but actually what the customer, the, buy, the buyer is demanding is experts to help them. And that's what this study shows that, that most businesses, two-thirds of them, are not getting that strong agreement on. And I would, I would get, your, get your people in a room, get your salespeople in a room and find out where you've delivered value for a client in a particular industry. Get that documented and then just go and copy that with all the other clients in that industry vertical. Dear Mr or Mrs Customer, here's what we have done for companies like you doing what you do. Here's the value we have created. Then you've got a more of a, a tailored value proposition because yeah. I think that, that 3% differentiation is telling us, my hunch is, that that is pretty much same old, same old sales presentation being used. One size fits all. Very, very 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 little little of any tailoring for you know the customers are smart now they know you've just dropped their logo onto the front page of your powerpoint slide you know that's not tailoring that's that's still it's just generic with the customer logo dropped on the front you have to be doing i think tailored value propositions certainly by industry show you understand those you know here's what's going on in this industry are you facing any of these problems and challenges funnily enough phil yes we are oh wow here's how we've helped other people like you i think sometimes when um, companies are uh, looking at developing their value proposition they don't finish off the story i'll give you an example of that Uh, last week i was talking to a a chamber of commerce and for those that don't know that it's obviously an organization that Fairly local, helps develop uh, small businesses in a particular community, etc., etc. So I said to the Chamber of Commerce, so what is your value proposition that you're offering your 1,200 members? Uh, And back came the answer, well, business support. And when I said, well, when you give people business support, if they have that, what does that then give them? The answer was, oh, peace of mind, security. So interestingly, when you look at peace of mind and security, it's an emotional value proposition. It's not a rational Mm. value proposition. And as we know, because we've covered it before, this is Graham's area, people will buy at an emotional level and justify it at a rational level. So when looking at the value proposition, keep pushing it and say, well, if customers had that, what would it give them? And if they had that, what would it give them? And eventually you'll end up at a real nugget of emotional value. Because that's very interesting to say that, because when we're talking about providing unique industry insight, that does sound as though it's going to be quite sort of numeric or measured or quite logical. Whereas obviously, you know, you've got to, always got a person at the end of the of the buying process, mm-hmm. haven't you, who's on those on the who's on the receiving end of it. Yeah. So anything else we think so you've got to research your industry, you've got to research your customer find out what's working that you how you deliver value in an industry then go and sort of replicate that into other other ones other practical thoughts tips i, I think i think as i said i think it's about being genuinely interested and curious in the customer's stuff uh, it's very easy we've all done it to go to visit a customer ask the first couple of questions and switch off for 25 minutes 
waiting for the customer to stop talking so we can get back to what we wanted to cover in the first place. This is the reverse of that. It's about genuinely showing interest in the customer's stuff yeah. and being responsive enough, flexible enough to tailor any response that then follows. And sometimes maybe coming back on another day mm. rather than just proceeding with what we thought we were going to be talking about. So there was a piece of research, I think it's a few years old now, selling to senior executives white paper, how do salespeople establish trust and credibility, and it was, you need to understand my industry, you need to understand my company. Whichever way piece of research we're looking at, we keep hearing the same things. Mm. Being genuinely interested and understanding the world your customer is operating in. And remember, people that have been on uh, buyer's courses uh, will be trained to ask salespeople, how much do you know about us? And if the salesperson falls at that first hurdle, they're going nowhere. In today's world, there is an expectation today that we have done our research at least and we know something about what's going on in the customer's world. But I think in terms of it's not just enough to know, it's also this is this is insight. This is helping teaching them something they don't know. And I know sometimes salespeople will say, well, surely the customer knows more about their industry than I do. And it's not necessarily because they have their view of the world where maybe if you're servicing across your sales team, 30, 40, 50 companies in an industry, just get your sales meeting, your sales manager, sales director, brainstorm what's happening, yeah. brainstorm your success stories, and then get everybody going out and talking to everyone else about it. You have a broader understanding of the industry, particularly with reference to the problem or challenge that your solution or product is uniquely there to, to help with. Yes, they, they may understand the industry maybe maybe better than you, why should they? But you are the experts in how you can help in that industry. Can I go back to your point about PowerPoint slides? Yes. Because it reminds me of um, a, a company that I was with, I, I was just at the same meeting they were at, and uh, they were presenting their slides to try and win some business from this company, a well-known company, and uh, they'd got their logo um, on the slides. Uh, but unfortunately, in the text, they'd got the name of their direct competitor, who clearly had had the pre presentation the week yeah. before. <laughs> so, you know, if you are going to tailor your slides, it is more than just changing the logo. I can't yeah. believe anybody would ever be that silly. Surely, none of us around the table have ever left a client's name in the footer of a proposal. <laughs> oh, just me then. Just you. <laughs> It is. It look. It's, it's not. It's not that uncommon a mistake. But the point is, this is where you just got part of your planning and preparation is that that final double checking. But it, it, it's not just that. It shows that you're not thinking yes. from the customer's perspective yeah. anywhere near enough. I had a, a a fellow professional speaker ask me to review um, her sales proposals. So she uh, asked me to take a look, and she emailed it across. And my feedback was that the, the person's name, the, the executive's name, was in the title of the document, as in the title on her right, system. Yes, yeah. But the customer's name was not mentioned once within the proposal. My feedback was it looks like a generic flyer more than it looks like a business yeah. proposal. It's very, quite good copy, but the copy and the benefits were quite good, but they was clearly was generic. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that generic is just not, just doesn't cut it anymore.
it's got to be you know and and even worse unique insight because sometimes they're not even tailoring it to the customer's industry which is you know so i think the good news for for the sales professionals listening to this is that you know sometimes out there the bar's not that high as i said at the start you know top of the show there's lots of things we can do to get a competitive advantage that are probably not as hard as sometimes we... It's just a little yeah. bit of extra effort and work. Working as a team, you can come up with some really good I, stuff. I think there are a number of checking questions here. I think question number one is, where is the customer today? Question number two is, where does the customer want to go in the future? Question number three is, why? Uh, question number four would be what are the benefits to the customer of getting to that place and what happens if they don't get there and question number five finally is how can we help Mm. if we can't tick all five of those questions then my advice would be do not proceed to the next stage because you're already going to drop a ghoulie because it's not going to be tailored enough unless you can actually answer those five questions and I know some of the people listening in are going to say, well, Phil, you know, that's a, that sounds like a lot of work, you know. Yeah, so it's making lots and lots of presentations that don't succeed. <laughs> you know, this is the point here, you know. Preparation and planning, good questioning, you know. Uh, do, you want to, do you want to spend your time winning business or do you want to spend your time chasing business that you ain't going to win? Yeah, know? and I'll take your point. Even if it is a lot of work, if it's worth putting in to win the business... Uh-huh and give the customer a good thrashing, then do it. Absolutely. It clearly, clearly is worth putting the time in. Yeah, outwork your competition, but is it, you yeah. know, work smart. It's the old, old, the old cliche. So, any closing thoughts, gentlemen? Any thoughts, top tips for our listeners on this? I would definitely go back to go and ask your really happy, long-standing customers why they love you to bits. Mm. Really, really important thing. And by the way, then ask them for a referral, of course, once, they, once they've said why. Yeah. And if, if I were a sales director, I'd be looking for things that would help people develop their industry insights and yeah. new services and all the kinds of things that would support them rather than putting them on another training course on how to answer and deal with questions. Yeah. They already know that. Yeah. Forget that. Yeah. Okay, you can improve it marginally, but what people are looking for is deep insights. So they need information services, they need news services, they need to go on courses about find it. It's all of that kind of side I would start concentrating on if I were a sales director now. Or get one of your customers, your, your, your long-standing customers, to come in and talk to your sales team about yeah. their industry yeah. and let them do a Q&A and pick the brains. Yeah. You know, if you've got yeah. the right customer at the right time, they're so norm- normally quite happy to, yeah, normally quite happy to come and do that. Yeah. So fantastic. So um, hopefully that's given you some challenge, some provocation and some food for thought, folks, about you know providing that insight, differentiating yourself from, from your competition so that at the ultimate, at the end of the day, what we're all interested in here at the Sales Chat Show and anybody listening in is closing more sales. Yeah. And that is absolutely way. Get out your own head, get inside your customer's head. So thank you very much for listening in. I've been Simon Hazeldean, uh, sitting opposite me, Mr. Phil Jesson, and uh, on my other side, Mr. Graham Jones from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com. Lots of other episodes available on the website. Please go and uh, go in there and uh, entertain and educate yourself. Uh, the more you learn, the more you earn, as the old cliche goes. And in the meantime, I'd just like to wish you good luck and good selling.
have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 